text and then being quiet for 35 minutes. Um, but that would have been a little weird. And then you'd be like, what do we pay you for? You know, you work one day a week already. Why would you just be silent? Um, so we're, we're actually going to dive in today to um, some truth from Scripture, kind of around the Scripture of the time that it was, it was given. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Malachi. And we're just going to look at the last six verses of that prophetic book, kind of the close of the Old Testament. So Malachi 4, 1 through 6. If you have the YouVersion Bible app or you're joining us online, you can follow along there. Just search events for Reservoir Church and all of the notes in Scripture will be there for you. They'll be on the screen or you can just listen um, this morning. So the big idea is that promise of Christ keeps us steady through silence. So because of Jesus, because of the promise of him, his arrival, his life, death, resurrection, the promise of his return... That keeps us steady and we don't feel like God is speaking, like God is hearing us or God is working on our behalf. So hear the word of the Lord this morning from Malachi 4. I'll read verses 1 through 6. We'll pray um, and then we'll, we'll get into it today. And the Lord says through the prophet, For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. Remember the instruction of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Period. Good and holy God, we thank you for your word spoken through the prophet Malachi to a people that were idolatrous, self-driven, committing wickedness. Yet you maintained a remnant of those faithful to your word and your promise. You give them a glimpse of the coming day of the Lord and the first arrival of Jesus and the final arrival of Jesus. In the midst of that, you kept a people When the Savior came, he would be welcomed as the one who was promised. Lord, in this Advent season, and certainly in the last two two years of our lives, we've experienced what feels like a lot of silence. The normal has been disrupted. The things that we long to be about have been canceled or rescheduled, and we just can't seem to get to a normal. But still, we can cling to the promise of you, that your grace was sufficient for us, that your cross really did provide forgiveness and righteousness, and that we are yours for eternity. Lord, as we contemplate the, the silence in this moment, would you, by your spirit, work in our hearts that we would recognize that you are with us and that you are for us. 
Help me, Lord, to speak with clarity the truth from your word and help all of us to hear what you would have for us today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So promise of Christ keeps us steady through silence. And through has been a key word for us in our brief Advent series, hasn't it? There's been something that gets us through this experience Uh, The weeks leading up to Christmas that we call Advent, a liturgical, essentially this periscope that goes above the waters of self to see the world around us and starkly to recognize the darkness that is so in need of light. And recognizing in a lot of ways, the darkness isn't just out there, but it's experienced in here, in ourselves, in our thinking, in our feeling. And in our souls. And we, like sojourners, travel through the things of life, both light and dark, through grief, through unmet expectations, through the wildernesses of life, as we've talked about in this series. And in those things, we find hope through another, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, And we're never going to waver off of that truth, that thing that keeps us afloat, even in the midst of darkness and waiting. And all of these weeks for our series of Advent, our approach has been to essentially be acquainted with the darkness so that the light is brighter. We can recognize the, the humongous grace of Jesus, his sovereignty over all things, and his claim of renewal in the world. And this year, or even the last two years, have been different and difficult. None of us have experienced what we've experienced in the last two years. The horizon keeps moving further away. It's farther off. The finish line seems to be out of reach at every turn. And we need something to keep us, to root us. So that we don't lose our minds in this moment. My dear friend Ben, uh, some of you know Ben Brophy. He's preaching this morning in uh, Delray Baptist Church. Or maybe this afternoon. Sometime today he's preaching out in Alexandria, Virginia. And he is preaching on encouragement. Which is timely and needed. And in preparation, he asked our little group of pastors that we have a slack together and encourage each other. He just said, why do you guys need encouragement? And here was my response. I said, because we wake up in this world every day. We go to or hear about toddler funerals. We uh, go through the COVID crisis. People are beat down and worn out. And Christmas feels like just an ice pack for our ache. Uh, Does it fully bring relief or is it just temporary? And every therapist has a waiting list so we can't even get help for the unprocessed trauma that we have. That's my response. You have to know I'm the optimist in the group, right? And what's more than that, I think I responded in that way when I was a little on a breakfast date with Stacy. So that had nothing to do with our date. Our date was much better than my tone in that response. But that's the reality, isn't it? Like everywhere we turn, this angst, this pain, this struggle of experience when things pile up when things don't get back to normal it can feel like God is silent we pray in ways that says essentially are you even hearing my prayers are you seeing this when the noise of a passing biker gang is so loud you can't even hear the pastor 
right? But even in the midst of all of that silence, it's his promise that keeps us through it. His promise that tells us he is here, that he hears and sees and that he is working. And it is his advent then, his arrival that is fulfilling the promise that actually gives us hope. That buoys us, that keeps us afloat in this life. So why Malachi? Couldn't we find other texts on the silence? Absolutely, but why Malachi? And we look at Israel's situation in this moment, and if you just read, it is a collection of warnings to God's people. They are living in the midst of idolatry, wickedness. They're calling evil um, good, and all these things that we know are wrong when we get a wrong perspective of life under God. All the bad things that God's people have been prone to do are happening in the time of Malachi. But it's not so much the warnings, which are many, but it's the timing of Malachi that I think benefits us in Advent. Because this is the last word before the promise actually comes. This is what the remnant of faithful people will actually hope for. And just like them, I think it's what we should cling to as well. And before these final verses that we have read uh, this morning, there is another promise in Malachi, a very clear promise that comes to the people in Malachi 3. And the Lord says, see, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear away the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. But who can endure the day of his coming and who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's bleach. He'll be like a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. A people that's finally made clean, that can actually come before the Lord out of righteousness. And this word is spoken and given to the people. And then there's going to be 400 years of prophetic silence. And this promise then is what they wait for, what the people of God cling to. And while they were a people waiting for the promise, friends, we are a people living from the promise. The truth is, trouble will come, doubt will come, the turbulence of life will come. But the question is, what will we hold on to? So when the silence happens, when we feel like God isn't speaking, it's the promise of Christ that keeps us steady through all of it. As we hear the voice of Malachi, I think there are some key ways for us to find a gospel steadiness in the midst of silence. And it begins with acknowledging the silence, that it's real. Life is full of moments when it feels like God is silent, like God is non-responsive. That is just something we are going to experience and go through. And saints of old would call it the dark night of the soul, when the darkness seems so overwhelming and the clouds never break in life. Many of us have had those types of seasons and experiences. Some of us are going through those seasons right now. And the truth is that life won't always be happy clappy, right? And it's okay to recognize that. It's okay to know that you're not okay, that things don't feel okay, that you feel out of place in this world. And what we do with that is what is important. 
Because when we come to the end of Malachi, we reach essentially the blank page of the intertestamental quietness that exists in Scripture. There are no more prophets speaking for God, no new messages to God's people, as if they had heard everything that they needed and that whisper lessons to a fading breath that they have to cling on to and remember. It's like reading a contract that has that silly declaration on a white page that says, this page intentionally left blank. Don't you hate that? It's like, save a tree, man. Just take the blank page out. But there are seasons of life when our pages are left blank and we are not sure God is there. And the truth is we aren't the first to feel that. Like take comfort in that. We have plenty of examples from the psalmist feeling the exact same way. I just want to read a few this morning from Psalm 27. Uh, David writes, Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. There's an ache for God to respond. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. That's the cry of our hearts. Like, please, God, hear me. Respond to me. The, the words repeated by Christ himself in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. It's this recognition of like, where are you, God? Like, I know your character is to rescue your people, but you're not answering me. You're forsaking me. That's what I feel. And Psalm 13 says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me an answer, Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. How many times is this prayer sung in the years that followed Malachi? In the years of quietness, of uh, felt silence. How many times were these psalms calling the reader to wait for the Lord recited just to get the people through? And think about it as I read them. I'm like, the first half of all those collection of psalms, I'm really good at praying. I'm really bad at then reminding my heart of who God is, that he's actually there, that he actually hears, that he rescues his people. But in even that prayer, this is the key. It's not just a mental acknowledgement that there are seasons of silence. It's not just an academic reality that for humans and the uh, and God so far above, there are going to seem like moments that he does not communicate with us. And it's not even just us talking about it with friends that I feel like God's not answering me. But it's prayer to the one that we long to hear from is our way of acknowledging the silence. God, do you hear me? God, are you working in the midst of that? 
I wonder how many times we've prayed this same way, waiting, straining to hear. Some of us have prayed this way this week. Maybe in this morning on the way to church or this morning when you decided not to come to church. So acknowledge it. It's okay. It's normal to feel like God is silent. But when you feel it, you have to realize that it's preceding promise. So the second step is just to know that you're not alone. That's what the promise of Malachi is given for, that they'll know that they're not alone. The one promise, the Lord you seek, the King we need, has come. Merry Christmas. This is exciting. This is good news. What they waited for, we've experienced, and we get to rejoice in. Now, those times of silence don't seem so long because we've heard his voice before. But he's also the one that's faced the same silence in order to bring redemption to you. The answer to the voice crying out from the wilderness. And in the most significant ways, Jesus actually faced this sense of silence. He, he did it in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? While his friends, the people that he did ministry with, that he was supposed to be able to rely upon are asleep. Man, like as, I, as I talk about this, it's the realization that, friends, this is pastoral ministry in 2021. But he, in that moment, pleads with the Father. And Scripture does not indicate to us that there is actually a response from the Father, but there is a steadiness in the face of what is about to come from Christ. A willingness to submit his own will, his fleshly will of not dying for the will of the Father, to go and be a sacrifice. Then he also experiences this silence on the cross in agony. Jesus recites Psalm 22 in the cries of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like a fulfilling of that experience. He's doing that. We can't even fully realize the depth of that pain in that moment. That type of silence that Jesus experienced on your behalf. From eternity, there is the union of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And in that moment, for those hours, he experiences separation that he had never experienced before. The truth is, he did it for you. He did it that he could own your experience so that he knew what it was like to feel those moments of silence. He was forsaken by the Father so that you never would be. It's a gloriously good thing for us because then Jesus is our companion in moments of silence. When the remnant held tight to the promise given by the prophet waiting, we are actually held tight by the promised one who has already come. It's glorious. And then in turn, his life, death, and resurrection for us is what we hold on to to make it through those moments of silence. His redemption is our refrain when the dark night comes. His work for us and his promise to be with us always until the end of the age is what actually keeps us steady. Any of you need something to keep you steady these days? Right? Living in D.C., uh, got nostalgic just thinking about it this week, but on occasion, when you were on the metro, right, so this is a subway in D.C., there would be a quick stop or start, uh, and if you were standing, it had the potential to knock you off of your feet, right? Just standing there. And so there's, there's poles throughout the train car so that you can hold on to and steady yourself. 
And for us, that is essentially the cross. When life shakes us, when the starts and stops take us by surprise, we can find our footing in Christ. We don't have to fall over because we can hold on to him. And his promise to return is as sure as his first arrival. It gives us all the more solidity, solid steadiness that we need. And this is why I think Malachi is helpful, because the promise is of one to come and for the day of the Lord. So there's two things of promise that are happening here. The messianic one is going to come and in the future there will be a final day. The one like a refiner's fire that will make clear what his people are to live for and how reconciliation will actually come is the first promise. But then it also has this sense of final judgment that is yet out ahead of us. In the between time, which we are experiencing now, Jesus is with us by his spirit. And he's given us a family to wait with if we will accept them as family. If we'll commit to one another in the church to be a community that reminds each other of his promise, his grace for us, his closeness, his coming. When the sense of silence comes, friends, acknowledge it and know that you are not alone, but also determined to hear his voice. As I was preparing this week, I heard on the radio a story and a young man was recounting the death of his grandmother and what that meant for their family. And at the end of the segment, they played an old voicemail with the grandmother's voice wishing her grandson a Merry Christmas. And we often hear stories, don't we, of people who have lost loved ones, maybe you've even done this yourself, and we do everything we can to remember their voices, what they sounded like. We end up keeping voicemails or cherishing old VHS tapes that had their image and voice on it. And when seasons of silence come upon us, Malachi, this promise of reconciliation and healing, is our voicemail. This is all of scripture for us. It is God's word spoken for us to steady us, to keep us. One writer says the Old Testament closes then with a word of promise ringing in the minds of its readers concerning the two greatest prophets of old, Moses and Elijah. When God determined to show the significance of Jesus' earthly ministry, he had these two men appear on a mountain with our Savior in the transfiguration. And Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. And so their appearance in Christ's time indicated that he is actually the apex of their messages, fulfilling and transcending them both and demonstrated by his resplendent radiance in that moment. He is the one whom the law and prophets ultimately anticipated as he said to his disciples, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So in Jesus, the entire Bible clicks into place. The whole Bible is at its heart, the word of God's grace that culminates in his son. Every word here is a reminder to us of the voice of God. Every time we read the word, then we hear his voice. 
The, the voice that speaks grace and forgiveness over us, that promises help, that sings over us, that quiets our soul, that challenges us to live for something more than self, that anchors us in him. The voice that says, you are mine. And we eat this book. Like You have to recognize that every time you open scripture, you are hearing the Lord himself speak to you. There is actually not silence because you can open the word and hear his voice. You can play back the voicemail anytime you need to. And we know man and women don't live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. And when we face what seems like silence, we must, friends, have a steady diet of Bible until it becomes our sustenance. What, what keeps us, what fuels us. And the truth is, I have yet to meet a believer that wishes they would have read less scripture. Right? And this is the perfect time of year as we conclude a year and we go into the next year. We're going to encourage people in Reservoir Church to follow a plan through the New Testament for the year. So it's a, a little smaller dose every day, but gets you through the New Testament. So keep your eyes open for that and just determine, make a plan to hear the voice of God every day in scripture. And in study. The truth is, most often when I think God is silent, it is because I've stopped listening. I I think I can do better on my own or change the script somehow to match my preference or my perspective. And in those moments, the remedy is actually just playing the voicemail of his word back to my heart. Reading scripture and hearing that as we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And to Israel in Malachi, the Lord says, remember the instruction of Moses and he promises the prophet Elijah. He's essentially saying stick to his voice as recorded here. And when he comes, he will bring reconciliation, hope realized and life with him forever. As we listen to his voice, the horizon actually gets closer. Because his voice is the one that dominates our thinking and our heart posture towards everything in life. The dark's dominance lessens when we hear his voice. Hope builds as we lean forward toward his return, that final promise that kept the people through. So friends, promise of Christ keeps us steady through silence. Hear the promise, cling to it, live from it. He has come and is coming again. His light makes the darkness flee and that is for you. So acknowledge the silence. Know you are not alone and then determine to hear his voice. If you find yourself in need of something to hold on to, uh, to a voice to hear, Here is Jesus, this promised one, the messenger and Lord come to save those that he loves. There is no time better than now to hear the voice of Christ. From silent night to playfully jumping like calves, may we live through the silent, clinging to promise. From the birth of Christ and his life, death, and resurrection for us, anticipating his return to glory and eternity with him. This is what keeps us steady when things seem to be silent. This is what centers us to live in response to all of the noise of our day. That We live in light of who Christ is, what he's done for us, 
and the fact that he is coming again. May we be people that hear him in his word, in community, and through the work of his spirit for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, for some of us, we're in seasons of silence. Like We, we know you're there. We, we know you're trustworthy and true, but we're, we're feeling it right now. It seems that our lives have turned the page and gotten to the place that the page is intentionally left blank. Lord, we just ask that as we turn to your word this morning, as we turn to the work of your spirit, that you would respond, that you would give us an experience of your presence that would comfort us and keep us steady in the midst of silence. Lord, as Advent, the season on the liturgical calendar, comes close to a close, help us to see the light all the brighter for having recognized the darkness. That you would be lifted high and that we would find our hope in you alone, come what may. In Jesus' name, amen.